0: Hello ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host, Chris Simpson, and joining me as always is Carithus Lathaway. Hello. And we're joining you after Newcastle held leads to a one all draw on Friday night. Another, another point in the bag.
1: But, <laughs> Woo!
0: <laughs> but still no win for the Magpies.
1: It's quite an exciting match, to be honest. Um, I mean, you're a little bit unfortunate, or... I suppose Leeds were a bit fortunate to take the lead early on through that wonderful cross, <laughs> but it was a good dummy, um, and it was right for Rodrigo to leave it. I hundred percent thought he'd flipped it on until We'd, like about five replays later. We both in it. We were like, in. "Oh my
0: god, what? That was like an amazing flick!" And I was, "Oh no, no, he'd actually just left it." And yeah,
1: I mean, it, it definitely confused play. Was It Dallo, no, yeah, yeah Carl Dallo was back. Yeah, which is also good news. But yeah, I, I thought I thought both teams probably could have got a lot more goals than they actually did. To be honest.
0: It was very back and forth, wasn't it? Especially the first half, a chances
1: on both sides. I thought it could have easily been two all at half-time. I genuinely thought it was probably one of the most frustrating matches for both sets of fans because it felt like both teams just weren't making that final step. But, yeah, I mean, ASM obviously always key anyway and it was a good goal from him. He was involved in just about everything. Joel Linton had a good game.
0: Yeah, you know, it was... Well, we know we're not going to get a huge goal threat from Joe Winton, and we know just, that... Just
1: wait, just wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we know he's not, uh, probably never really going to live up to that £40... Pound, £40, 40 pound. Pound, I mean, No, he's not up to that. Uh, no, he's <laughs> £40 million pound price tag. But I thought he had a good game, actually. You know, he was holding the ball well, he was linking the play, you know, getting involved, offering, thing, offering other things to the team. As I say, we know he's not going to be getting many goals, but at least, you know, it's not like he's got nothing to offer, which, <laughs> I mean, sometimes that maybe feels like we're we'll grasping at straws, but, you know, credit works to you. I did think he played well. And as you said, Sam Maximan, great solo goal. And yeah, just reminding us yet again, as always, just how important he is. He's, he's a good, had a good start to the season, actually. That's now two goals and two assists from him already in the Premier League. You know, he's if he can keep that up, and we're going to need him to, maybe we'll stay up. That said,
1: we need to start getting
0: some wins on the (laughs) board. I
1: mean, yeah, you're not the only team. There seems to be quite a few clubs at the moment that seem to be struggling this early on. Which I suppose is positive for Newcastle. You aren't bottom, but you're not far off. But you're also not far from safety already. Um, The fact that ASM is your main threat is a wee bit worrying purely because we know he's injury prone. And... You have no one to play in that position, to play like Sam Maxman does. No one else who's willing to run at players and skill pass them or just just run at them, really, make Mm. them panic. So it is a little bit tense knowing that he's going to be hacked because he's the player running at them and he's injury prone.
0: Yeah, well, it's the same thing with Wilson, isn't it? That issue of Mm. we're so reliant on those two players especially. And there's no cover really for either of them.
1: Yeah, I mean, Willock missed a sitter though, didn't he?
0: Yeah, it's a, it's a shame for Joe Willock. I think he obviously last season was a bit of an, a bit of a phenomenon when he was scoring for you know seven games in a row. But
1: phenomenal. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, we we know he can get goals, and I think he will get goals again for us. And I think once he gets his first one for us this season, you know as i say he's not um, i don't think he's going to go on quite the same run that he did last season but hopefully it will sort of kick him into gear a bit and of course again he's been playing catch up to an extent because he really didn't have much of a summer with arsenal so you know um it'll take maybe take a little bit of time for him to 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 get up and running but yeah it, it is a i mean as i said it wasn't a defeat and considering we beat us twice Last season, you know, not a draw maybe isn't the worst result.
1: Then again, you know, like like we've been saying last season, you show promise. It's just whether or not this actually turns into anything and whether you can keep this momentum throughout the season. So it's just, it's too early, is it? It's too early to be, well, for an outsider like me, <laughs> outsider in inverted commas, obviously I still get dragged into it. But for an, an outsider like me, it's too early to get depressed. Um, I'm not excited yet. But obviously, for a Newcastle supporter, you're just depressed all the time. So I understand that. It, it is um, worrying
0: just you know, two points from the first five games. Uh, in fact, I, I dug this stat out that actually it's the fourth time actually in the last seven seasons that we haven't won any of our opening five matches. And
1: that's not great, is it? <laughs> no, I think, that's,
0: I think it shows. Now, in fairness to Steve Bruce, that, all, that wasn't all under him. But... You know, I think it it's becoming a bit of a, a trend. And as we've seen in recent years, Newcastle are increasingly just trying to stay up every year. That's been the last, well, aside from the dip into the championship, because, you know, you will go down the longer you try and, you know, just keep your head above the water. It's just, a, it's becoming just that recurring pattern. Yeah. Um, that, actually, on, a, on on that note, I have to say it was nice actually to see how well Gary Neville um, spoke before the game on Sky talking about Newcastle and our situation. I thought it was a good analysis. And frankly, I, I found that to be quite refreshing because obviously we know that, for example, on match of the day, we know pundits like Alan Shearer obviously intimately are are aware of the problems at Newcastle and, and what's been happening under Bruce and, and under Mike Ashley. But I still sometimes feel that all too often a lot of pundits who aren't, you know, sort of as intimately involved with the club.
1: You say the word intimately, I, <laughs> I just, I
0: find that sometimes they just often come off as quite ignorant to the situation and to how bad it has become not Steve Bruce. And not as
1: towards the fans and the situation that Newcastle yeah. and the club are in at the moment. I mean, they're all old enough to remember what Newcastle were like before, so there is really no excuse. Um, but yeah, no, I get what you mean. Gary Neville, I've actually found has been a really good pundit. Actually, he's been quite um, impartial, considering. Um, yeah, I, I think actually... I think
0: he's he's a great pundit. I, well, I thought <laughs> the, the the other week, the when Monday night football finally did the Messi versus Ronaldo debate, that on a separate note. Was abysmal, and I think Gary Neville does actually bear some responsibility for that. Oh, the whole
1: thing is rubbish. But that's
0: a separate issue. But overall, I think Gary Neville is a good pundit, and props to him actually for speaking knowledgeably about the situation and about what's happened. And well, frankly, he was was practically imploring Mike Ashley to sell the club, so I have to say I can't uh, fault him there. Um, But of course, this Leeds match came after a training ground confrontation between Dwight Gale and assistant manager Graham Jones.
1: Yet another one, another fight.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, I don't know if it quite got to fight stage. Certainly,
1: This doesn't it happen at other be, clubs though. It doesn't happen at other clubs.
0: It does now and again, but not nearly as often as it seems to in Newcastle. It has yeah. become a bit of a pattern again yeah. in recent years and this certainly isn't the first time that ourselves has had to step in when things have got a bit heated and it's, it is a bit of a worrying trend again. Uh, In this case, obviously, Dwight Gale being frustrated uh, at not having played yet. Of course, he's yet to feature in the Premier League for us this season. And I suppose given that uh, Callum Wilson has been injured the last couple of games, I can understand why he's maybe been frustrated not to have even come off the bench. I
1: mean, yes, but he's not really done a huge amount, has he, for for Newcastle when when he's been in the Premier League, yet. Don't get me wrong, he's not had the same amount of chances and opportunities to shine. I don't actually think he played that badly last time he came on.
0: Well, the, at this point, that was last season, of course. That's the thing. No, no, know, I, that, I know. So I, I, as, so I can understand why he's been frustrated because, you know, you'd have thought he might have had a bit of a run out, even if it was from the bench, but... <sighs> we'll have to uh I mean it certainly it didn't help him get on the pitch against Leeds so it's one that we'll have to keep an eye on at some point I'm sure he will get his chance this season because again we don't know how long Callum Wilson's going to be out for and it's not like we have many other options up front so I think Dwight Gale is going to get his chance I just hope that when he does that he can show that he's going to be able to contribute because we until at least January and not that I trust us to necessarily go out and uh, recruit heavily in January, but until at least then, we're stuck with what we've got.
1: (laughs) Yeah, (sighs) there is no real excuse to not have him on. He should be playing a fair amount, considering you've got this injury. So it'd be interesting really to see how how or if this was resolved, because I can see this being a reoccurring thing. Um, Hopefully, this domestic, as it were, uh, won't affect his chances to be played further in the in the Premier League. But I, I can 100% see why, why he's miffed.
0: Yeah, and of course, this also comes after uh, or amid reports that Steve Bruce has also been angering some of the players as well in training, uh, supposedly because the training schedule is better suited to him than the players, which...
1: Doesn't surprise me in the least. <laughs> but it's, I mean, completely
0: inexcusable.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, you know, I, I don't I don't know any more details beyond that. But for example, it's like, well, if you, if the tra- if the players want to train early, Steve, and you want to lie in, well, you've got to go with what the players want. And that's your job. Uh, and second of all, call in a meeting to basically have a go at the players for their running stats. Now, we don't know exactly what stats were used and, and therefore how they compare and what examples he was using, but it doesn't seem like the wisest of ideas to me.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, he knows that the team isn't on his side. He knows the fans aren't on his side. So why would you then try and piss him off? You need to build it. There's, he's not in a position where there seems to be any form of real respect between himself and the players. That uh, having yell at them is just going to be counterproductive. I mean, obviously, we don't know what it's like in the camp, but from the multiple reports we've had over the past year or so of, of issues, um, I saw a newspaper report on how Steve gets upset by the fans constantly stealing, calling Brucey out because that went pretty much all the way around the stadium, I believe, very loudly. For anyone who was there, I'm sure you had a whale of a time and were also chanting it. Uh, But, like, he hasn't got any real support. And to do this, you know, (sighs) just undermines himself even more.
0: Yeah, well, speaking of which, uh, some comments about him. Because, I mean, I think one of my things with Steve Bruce is that he doesn't seem to take that much responsibility. (laughs) He doesn't
1: take criticism well either. (laughs) That's what I mean, yeah. Like,
0: (laughs) you know, I think, you know, trying to pass it off on the players for these running stats, is like, well, maybe actually, Bruce, it's your tactic. But even when he does... Or training,
1: across, or lack thereof. Exactly.
0: But even when he does appear to take responsibility, it doesn't exactly come across as inspiring. So I'm just going to share this quote with you. When he said uh, last week, uh, ahead of the game, he said, the frustration is, like any other Premier League club or any other football league club, if you don't get results, then ultimately the manager, head coach, whatever I am, bears the brunt. That's what it is. I have to accept the results haven't been good enough. Well, Steve, I'll be honest. It's not super inspiring that you don't seem to know your own job title. There, are you the manager or are you the head coach?
1: It's Clearly quite none. worrying. Clearly, none. <laughs> is he both? Is this another um, way to save money by Ashley? Do they not actually have a head coach? <laughs> is it Brucey? And is that why your defence is shocking?
0: Well, we know it's Brucey's fault. I mean, well, yes, we it, do know
1: that. But but maybe Newcastle's entire woes are the fact that he's the head bloody coach.
0: Well, I mean, just to put this in perspective as well, uh, a stat that I uh, have dug out from Twitter, uh, apologies for the source. I, I can't remember who it came from. But little insight here into Steve Bruce. And yet again, yet more insight into why maybe the fans aren't as enamoured with him as certain pundits seem to think we should be. Steve Bruce hasn't won three consecutive Premier League games since 2009. Oof. In that time, just in case anyone's thinking, oh, well, maybe he was mainly in the Championship or what have you until Newcastle. He's managed 275 Premier League games in that time.
1: And he hasn't managed
0: to string together three consecutive wins. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that stringing together three consecutive wins in the Premier League is an easy feat for anyone outside the top six, because it's not. But in 12 years and 275 games... You'd have thought it might have happened once or twice. Yeah. That's...
1: I mean, but for a it's team... It's not good, is it? For a team with Newcastle's name and colour, but since 2009?
0: Well, that's under Bruce, so that's not just at Newcastle. No. But of course...
1: But like any that inclu- team...
0: That includes the several years he's been with us and his spells at other clubs in the league.
1: Oh, yeah. The fact that it spans that long with other teams implies that the common denominator there is... The one and only head coach.
0: Slash manager,
1: slash manager. Slash we don't know. Slash we don't know. <laughs> he slash <laughs> he's just fucking bumbling, isn't he? <laughs> <sighs> Does he even know what he's doing? I think we all know the answer. But I'll ask it anyway. Does he know what he's doing?
0: <laughs> Answers on the postcard, isn't
1: it? Yeah.
0: Um, uh, in other news, actually related right, to Newcastle, Denver Bar retired oh. the other day. They only spent 18 months at the club, but. A huge, huge impression that he made. 29 goals in 58 games. I mean, don't get me wrong, I think if Wilson were actually supported in a decent team and, and could stay fit, it, maybe he could. But setting that hypothetical aside, yeah, I mean, you can't imagine any of our current players scoring 29 goals in 18 months, can you?
1: No, I and mean, it's a shame, and I'm sure we'll go on about this again at some point, but again, it's a shame He only spent 18 months at Newcastle, yet another... Indication that Newcastle has become a feeder club. Um,
0: yeah, of course, he was then snapped up by Chelsea, who activated his release clause, and uh, unfortunately, then you know off he was. But I think still held in very high regard by us fans. And I think I think it was telling that in his retirement statement, of, course of all the all the clubs he played for, both in England and around the world, he chose a picture of himself in a Newcastle shirt. Uh, to accompany his uh, retirement statement on Twitter, I think he's very telling of the affection that he still has uh, for the Magpies as well. And also scored our 1,000th Premier League goal.
1: Wow, how many have you got now? 1,002? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it feels like that. Yeah,
1: I mean, that wasn't even meant to be a property at Newcastle. More at just the club. Not, I say the club, more at Management, <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, it was good with Papa Cissé as well. And you finished fifth in 2012, which was a highlight.
0: Yeah, a great, some great memories of him, uh, playing with Cissé up front. What a partnership they had he, in the short time that we, they played together. And of course, yeah, that memorable season when we finished fifth, it uh, we still go back to that one, uh, almost 10 years on. Yeah, I
1: know, yeah, the heady heights of a decade. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but you know, it, it was a great season and
1: yeah. Which shows what you can do with a team that you know, obviously now but at the time was fairly unknown, fairly young, but you had good coaching and good management and there was a good relationship there between the two. And it's something that is just not been seen again for whatever reason. Obviously it it wasn't too bad with um What's his name? What's his name? it has gone. Who's the last manager who do you really like? Rafa. That's the one. <laughs> I just went out of my then. Yeah, it's not been too bad. It, it wasn't too bad with Rafa. He arguably had a less good team. <laughs>
0: I, he definitely did, yeah. The spending under Rafa was a fraction of what it's been under Steve Bruce.
1: Oh, don't make it even more depressing. Sorry, but... Anywho. <laughs> well, speaking of more depressing, it could get
0: more depressing on Saturday when oh. we play Watford. Um, Watford, who of course ended their run of three straight Premier League defeats with that three-one win over Norwich in the last game, impressive win, and that means that they've now won two games already this season, uh, which I think is is good for them considering. I imagine
1: looking, looking good. Actually, a lot of
0: people, you know, have them pegged to go down, and and they may well still go down. But as I say, two wins under their belt already compared to our none, and I think that's kind of what worries me is that. I know it's very early days still, and I'm, love- I'm not getting too carried away. But if they were to beat us on Saturday, we would already be seven points behind a key relegation rival. Which, <laughs> I love that
1: you've got a relegation rival already. Well, I mean, just no. I know. I know just- be,
0: being honest, it's <laughs> that's the way we have to look at it, and it's ultimate.
1: <laughs> well, already I mean, I'll, in relegation after five games <laughs> I'll be honest I
0: wasn't too pessimistic for this game even though we are away until I looked at our recent record against Watford and I was like oh Jesus Christ <laughs> it does not make for good reading does it
1: no I mean the last ten meetings with them You, Newcastle have won one drawn two and lost seven
0: and again just to remind you listeners, this is Watford this isn't Man United
1: yeah well you know you've got hmm You've got a a 70% chance of losing this match.
0: (laughs) Yeah, pretty much.
1: Um, 20% chance, well, 30% chance of getting any form of point. Um, So, yeah, it doesn't, that doesn't sound great. But, you know, times change. Who knows? I mean, they were playing Stoke in the League Cup on Tuesday to maybe rest their first team. But, you know, I Yeah, I mean,
0: grasping at straws. I mean, I... I, we're recording this before Watford go and play Stoke, but I suspect yes, I think they will rest their their key players for the week up and uh, to therefore save them for the Newcastle game. But as I say, grasping at straws a little bit. But I think our biggest hope is <laughs> is that it does sort of disrupt their preparation in some way. Um, because yeah, I'm not as I say, I, I didn't feel too bad about the game given that it's Watford no offence to them but and the yeah <laughs> seeing that record was like oh oh yeah no it hasn't been good has it yeah. so
1: i mean you could probably pull up that type of stats there's a lot of teams over the last few games i mean that's only five seasons and the last five seasons have been pretty woeful um but i mean yeah everything could change everything can change so i i'm not saying hold out hope i'm i'm just saying wait and see
0: yeah, that is all we can do at the end yeah. of the day listeners and of course we'll be here with you next week to look back on
1: the relegation rivals
0: <laughs> yes <laughs> and Newcastle's 2-0 <two-nil> defeat <laughs> off
1: yeah. anyway let's talk about people who could score so the Newcastle all 11 and we're now on the strike is the favourite bit and there's no Mr she- oh wait no there is a Mr Shearer here <laughs> um, so we've got Jackie Wilburn and Alan Shearer so Christopher, would you like to talk to us about War, Jackie?
0: Yep, that's right. Jackie Milburn. I mean, look, of all the positions that we've done in this Newcastle All-Time eleven, I think the one that there was most competition for was not front. As we know, Newcastle had a lot of very good and very famous strikers over the years. We but... had
1: to cut down the shout-outs.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's a lot of shout-outs. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Um, <laughs> but I, you can't argue with numbers. And... Yeah, war Jackie, as you said. 200 goals for the club, plus uh, 38 wartime goals, which, of course, no longer officially count. But an absolute through-and-through Newcastle legend. And, of course, it was his record that a certain Mr Shearer went on to break. Uh, But we'll get to him in a minute. But, yeah, Jackie Milburn played for the club between 1943 and 57. In that time, won three FA Cups with the Magpies back when we had, let's be fair, a truly great team and also scored uh, after just 45 seconds in the 1955 FA Cup final against Man City, uh, which was the uh, record for uh, quickest goal in a Wembley final and that stood until 1997. So he, he wrote himself into a bit of Wembley folklore there and yeah, just prolific goal scorer, I mean, when I mean when you score two hundred goals, it probably seems like an obvious thing to say. But he was famous very much for his shooting outside the box, an absolute threat. Very, very quick as well. I mean, how we would compare to the pace of plays these days, you know, is anyone's guess. Of course, we know the game is a lot quicker in the you know with sports science and, and athletics and coaching and stuff these days. But you know, for his time, very quick, just. Absolutely phenomenal player.
1: Yeah, so from one well-known player to one unknown player. <laughs> um, it's really depressing. You don't realise how many children do not know who Alan Shearer is and cannot recognise a picture of Alan Shearer in his heyday.
0: Yeah, I mean, I suppose on the on the latter point of view, I guess, you know, they're only used to seeing him bald on the match <laughs> of the day. But, yeah, it's weird that there'll be... There'll be a whole generation of younger people these days.
1: Several, several generations, unfortunately.
0: Who will only ever see him on match of the day and they won't realise, my God, what a player Alan Shearer was.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, I mean, I mean this goes beyond numbers uh, for me, obviously, uh, having actually grown up watching Shearer in his prime and watching him at Newcastle. Um, but just to recap those numbers... Obviously played for us between 1996 and 2006. And in that 10-year spell, he scored 206 goals a record, of course, for Newcastle in 404 games after we signed him from Blackburn for what was at the time a world record, £15 million. Forget your Neymars, forget your Ronaldo's and your Gareth Bale's and your Paul Pogba's. Alan Shearer, £15 million.
1: You're never going to do that again. Spent
0: £15 million, never mind <laughs> <hour> record. <laughs> you wound me, but it's true. And of course, what ingratiated him even more, beyond the fact that he was a local boy, uh, and obviously he was an incredible player, was the fact that he turned down none other than Manchester United to, uh, to join us and to come home. Uh, of course, that was actually the second time he turned down Man United, having also turned them down when he joined Blackburn as well. Um, And just, what a player.
1: I mean, he hit double figures every season while at the club, despite some pretty darn serious injuries, which hampered his his later years at the club, obviously culminating in him not really being able to play properly, especially even for his testimonial, as you well know, from injury. Proper messed up his knees.
0: Yes, he was... um, I, I was at his testimonial, listeners, and... I've never, I have to say... When everything I've, was in
1: black and white.
0: <laughs> well, it might as well have been because, you know, I've still got my scarf. They, if you weren't there, listener, they, they handed out scarves uh, to every fan, left them on the seat. And of course, everyone was swinging them round and cheering and generating that atmosphere. And I have to say, I've, I've, I've experienced some good atmospheres at Football Grounds in my time, listener, but but never anything to that scale. And... As you said, Kari was a shame. Actually, unfortunately, because he was injured, <laughs> having his season having been cut short, his final season with that injury that he picked up, uh, he wasn't actually able to play. He he sort of did this sort of honorary kick off. Unfortunately, then had to be subbed off. Uh, this was uh, us playing Celtic, of course, in in his testimonial. Though he did manage to wimp back on at the end and take a penalty, mm. which of course he buried, listeners. Haters will say that the goalkeeper kind of let it go in, but <laughs> no. But I mean, to be honest, without injuries, he was not a player who needed he help from the penalty spot. Listener, what a record from the spot! And oh my God, some absolute thunder bastard free kicks.
1: And you tell me that you offer having to put explicitly in front of yours. You've literally written Thunderbastard bastard down. And there I is come up no... with it spontaneously.
0: There is, I'm sorry, but for some of his free kicks, there is no other more appropriate term. Uh, I can't, oh god I got off the top of my head I, can't, I, I want to say it was against Man United but,
1: well, And he doesn't even have to pull his trousers up like Ronaldo
0: But that one You know the one I'm talking about listeners Even though I can't remember who it was against But I think it was Man United That one would still be travelling today in orbit If they hadn't have stopped it Because my god
1: Well anything would happen in orbit Because there isn't any friction And therefore there's perpetual motion
0: He hits it really <laughs> hard okay listeners <laughs> Honestly, I'm not sure I've ever seen a football be struck harder than that free kick.
1: Could you imagine if he missed and it's all in the ground? <laughs> oh, I
0: think if that had hit the wall, it would have killed someone. I think he honestly might have took the head off. But again, that was the kind of player he was, just you know, a proper classic English number nine, just sort of all-round centre-forward. You know, He was strong. Actually, before the injuries took their toll, and this is something that I think a lot of people don't remember, he was actually very quick. And I think... One of the things that was so good about him was that after the injuries took his pace away, for a lot of players, that's it for them. You know, if if they relied on their pace, he adapted his game and he remained, you know, a 20 plus goal a season striker even after all those injuries. That's how good he was, as I say. Incredibly strong, bullying defenders off the ball. Absolute nightmare to defend against. As I say, as an all round centre forward, I've Certainly, uh, in in the Premier League, I've never seen anyone better. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to say sit here and say that he was maybe better than Brazilian Ronaldo, but what a player! Uh, to it, be probably, honest, I think in although he only well, I say only scored 30 goals for England. I mean, that's not a bad return, listeners. Of course, he had to retire from England early to actually preserve his club career. Um, but I think, in my opinion, England's best ever striker.
1: Yeah, no, and no, no, his play style, obviously well much better but in a way Jamie Vardy reminds me of him with with that pace and just pretty much that absolute bloody minded determination obviously Vardy doesn't stand up close to Shearer um with this with stats or, or anything like that and don't get me wrong I, I'm not undermining what is a hero for Leicester obviously Jamie Vardy but it's that type of tenacity Shearer has run after every ball um didn't matter if it was a no hope he was going for it and he would push anyone out of the way to get it. And the pace helped him. And when the pace didn't help him, he just used his muscle. Because he was quite a stocky player for, mm. for a number nine. Yeah. And obviously great in the air. And again, considering
0: relatively speaking, he's not super tall. No, not at all. No. Like, find me a better player in the air, you'll struggle. Yeah, You know what I mean? So good with his head. You know, on the ground penalties, free kicks—he he could do it all basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, unsurprisingly, he's now the Premier League's all-time—or still, I should say—the Premier League's all-time record goal scorer with 260 goals. And I now, mean, you've got to say, really, there's no one even that close to him.
1: Who's <laughs> next? This is one of those we should have looked mm-hmm.
0: up. Uh, Wayne R- Wayne Rooney, second, of course. He's retired now, and we know how he declined towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Sergio, yeah. actually, uh, you know what, Sergio Aguero might have overtaken think, me, I, but of course, I think he did. he's gone uh, now, he's at Barcelona now, so again, he's not going to have any more, and then Thierry Henry again, left for Barcelona, so it's a record that's going to stand.
1: Yeah, for a while. For quite I a mean, long
0: Harry time. I mean, Harry Kane's on 166,
1: and he's the closest.
0: Yeah, well, Harry Kane, needs, still nine, in the Harry Kane needs 94 goals now, and... Again, he could absolutely do it, but he's still got to stay at the top of his game for a few more years yet. And we know, again, Harry Kane, a bit injury-prone. I mean, I think I certainly wouldn't begrudge Harry Kane if he were to break Shearer's record. I'm glad. <laughs> Not that I dislike Wayne Rooney, but I'm glad that Rooney didn't do it.
1: Yeah, I reckon Owen would have done it if he, if he didn't get so injury-prone.
0: Owen could have done it. I, a, it have. I likewise, I think Owen, if not for his injuries, would be England's all-time record goal scorer because he scored forty goals, basically for England. Pretty much by the time he was about twenty-six, twenty-seven, mm. he only needed nine more for the record. If he hadn't have then, you know, if injuries hadn't completely derailed his career, I think Owen would be England's record goal scorer. Um, but. Yeah, as I say, until potentially Kane, and if Kane doesn't do it, then it'll definitely stand for a long time.
1: Do you know what? Can I just say, Vardy's got 121 goals, and he only came in the Premier League. This is in the Premier League, and he only came in the Premier League when he was 28.
0: Yeah, no, honestly.
1: I was just
0: curious. He's not going to come close to touching as well. Oh, no, he's not, but if he he started younger. the time that he's played in the Premier League, (laughs) honestly, Vardy deserves so much credit for what he's done. Coming to the league at such a young... Sorry, such, such a, an old twenty-eight.
1: He started, yeah.
0: You know, I mean, and he wasn't regularly starting. And actually, his first season in the Premier League, when he was yeah. kind of playing a bit wide, I think he only scored something like five goals.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, um. So yeah, deserves a lot of credit. As I say, not obviously not going to get close to Shearer's record, but as I say, there yeah, are not many players do. But 2014,
1: 2015 when he started in the Premier League, he got five goals. Next season was 24, next season 13, 20, 18, 23, 15 and three so far. That's not bad. No, that's, that's not bad no at all. Sorry, that was complete. I just got interested. No, it's all
0: good. I mean, yeah, there was a lot of shout outs, a lot of composition up front. <laughs> so I'll just, give, I'll just give you a very, very quick rundown of uh, some of the other players there. So from the modern ones, you've got uh, Wes Ferdinand, 50 goals in 84 games. Again, great great striker up front good partnership with Shearer andy cole what an insane record i mean i know we live now in the the era of messi and ronaldo but for the to- like 68 goals in 84 games i
1: really kind of felt andy cole was a bit underrated in the in the england team as well you know
0: yeah it's a weird one with andy cole because he never really um had that much of an England career, but when you think what he did for Newcastle and then for Man United, I do remember. Was, I do remember that goal he kind of scored crazy.
1: from effectively the sideline, just in the opposition half. And I, I think he meant to cross it, but he proper flopped <laughs> it and he chipped the goalie, <laughs> and it went in. That was the best goal ever. Yeah. I can't remember what year that was, but it was good. I was young, so <laughs> <laughs>
0: absolute goal scoring machine. And then, of course, you've got the sort of more historical players who I have to say, you know well, well before our time, but (laughs) Malcolm McDonald, Super Mac, 138 goals for Newcastle in 258 games. And again, talk about insane records. Huey Gallagher, 143 goals in 174 games. Again, an absolutely bonkers goals to game ratio there. Um, But in the end, I had to, well, obviously, Shearer was never not going to be involved. (laughs) And then I was tempted by Andy Cole, I had to say, but just for the sheer volume, it had to be Jackie Milburn. Of course, mm-hmm. he had the record for, you know, 50-odd years before Shearer broke it. I, I couldn't really go for anyone else. but yeah.
1: I mean, we can only hope that Wilson has enough time to, obviously, he's never going to get any these numbers, but has enough time to be able to get something similar, obviously, in a much worse situation. But, you, you know, just, just, just for modern hope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because he's got. I mean, Newcastle have a huge history of, of excellent strikers, and I, I think I think you've had a good couple in the last couple of seasons. They just never managed to stay, but I'm, I'm hoping you know that, that that Wilson manages to to continue this trend for, for for an extent. I mean, again, I know it's not on the same level, but
0: no. But I I think I think if Wilson. A, obviously wasn't injury prone, which, you know, unfortunately uh, he is. But, you know, if he could stay fit and if he had a better team with better tactics around him, you know, a team that doesn't just sit back and pile men behind the ball and a team that had a bit more, you know, about them creatively and going forward, I think he could easily be comfortably a 20 goal plus a season striker because we know how clinically he is in front of goal. He doesn't often need many chances. Unfortunately, he's stuck playing in a team that doesn't get given too many. I mean, again, a bit similar at Bournemouth before he joined Newcastle. You know, it was clear that he was a very good player, but when you're in a relatively limited team, there's only so much you can do as a striker.
1: I mean, you got, for you, last last season, 12 goals. Which isn't bad, out of 26 appearances.
0: And again, playing for this Newcastle team with these tactics.
1: Uh, and and this season, he's only had three appearances and scored two goals. I mean, the, his best season was in 2018-2019 with 14 goals in, 13 appear, in 30 appearances. So, you know, like, he's still doing pretty good, wh- whether or not he's going to get any better than 14. I, don't, I just don't think, I know it's Bournemouth as well, but I don't think he's that type of player, but he's been extremely consistent for you um, so far. I, I'm just hoping that consistency is something that, that, that piles over because, as I say, Wilson is now known as a good striker, even as a, in a negative way here, even while playing for Newcastle. So I just hope he can drag you up there and continue a bit of this legacy of Newcastle be, have, like being known to have a deadly striker.
0: Yeah, as I say, I mean, to be honest, as I say, well, it's on him to stay fit. Uh, not that it's his fault, obviously, when he gets injured. But as I say, unfortunately, I think he's he's forever going to be hampered throughout his Newcastle career by, uh, well, to an extent, the players around him. And we know, I know, obviously, you know, we've got the likes of Almiron and Sam Axeman now, who we were good players. But you know, with the tactics and everything, it's unfortunately, as you say, maybe it's tricky to see him doing significantly better than uh, sort of 10, 12, 14 but we live in hope and yeah we'll just have to wait and see but yeah so that is our all time Newcastle 11 so just to give you one final recap listeners see in the dugout Kevin Keegan bumbling his way but also hopefully getting some good attacking football
1: and then crumbling because <laughs> it's psychological warfare for other managers. in goal Although I'd really fucking love to see a fight because <laughs> he'd be that one wouldn't he in the dugout he'd be that one
0: <laughs> in goal you've got Shay Given defenders you've got Bill McCracken at right back Frank Ludspeth at left back Bobby Moncur at centre back and Philippe Albert also at centre back you've got in midfield Nobby Solano and Chris Waddle on the right and left respectively with Gary Speed and Peter Beardsley Peter Beardsley in the middle and then up front none other than Jackie Milburn War Jackie and one Alan Shearer. Yeah, so as I say, next week we will look back on the Watford game and have all the reaction to that and all the news as well. In the meantime, if you could please give the podcast a like and subscribe and leave us a positive review or let us know who you would have in your all-time Newcastle eleven and where you might differ from us. Until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted and I've been your host Chris Simpson. Thanks, Kara. No problem. And thank you, listeners.